Blog Talk Radio. presentations, 
sometimes on book writing and um, developing the proposal to go into a publisher, and then on consulting large organizations when they're trying to shape a message, um, maybe it's a personal message from department to department or marketing message that goes out to the customer, and then sometimes on um, a problem that they have with the senior executive C-suite, and they want it corrected down through the organization. They can't figure out what the problem is, so it's just a big consulting project. So all of those. And, of course, in my own writing, writing books, we do a lot of research. So those three legs to the stool. So you are the super expert in communications in all facets, it sounds like. Uh, what inspired you personally to become an author? Uh, basically, I, I think you could say three different areas. One, of course, just reading great writers. That's the subject. English was a subject I loved in school, you know, studying the writers like F. Scott Fitzgerald. And uh, I could have seen The Great Gatsby a hundred times and loved it every time. Uh, <laughs> studying uh, Faulkner wow. and Hemingway. And I, I got, in college, I got to study with the great, Beverly Lowry, she was my thesis director for my master's degree, and she was, she's been called the, the Southern female Faulkner. So I just loved studying with great writers and always thought, oh, I wish I could write like that. So that was sort of my inspiration for getting started as an author. But, you know, good professors, they always inspire you. And, and then I guess the, probably the last thing is, is working with clients when you could get in an organization, a big organization like IBM or Lockheed Martin, and I would go in and see real-life problems and help them work through it and see the results and the impact that it had on people's lives and, you know, solutions and think, ah, this is great, this is powerful, I'm going to share it with, you know, another organization, not that, that same problem, but the solution and see the impact, that, that just really inspires me to go to the next book and the next solution. Uh, that's, that's great. It sounds like you have an amazing passion and, and your audience kind of see, breathes life into your new work. Uh, what more can I say focuses on why communication fails and what to do about it? And there's so many of us in our personal and professional lives that experience this. What inspired you to write this specific book? Well, unfortunately, getting ripped off for $25,000 inspired this. Wow. It, 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 it is a long story, which I tell about in the first chapter of that book. I won't go into that long story, but it really was. And I pride myself on being very skeptical and not you know, believing, getting caught with the, all these scams that go around. I never bite on those things that come to your inbox on your in, email. But, but the, the short version of it is somebody that I knew in my past 20 years ago said, you know, somebody wants a job, they want to come talk to you. And in an offhanded comment, this person said, oh, by the way, I'm working for this guy who works for reality TV, and he, they're looking for some programming for ESPN and he happens to produce movies on the side. You don't know of anybody that has an idea for a reality TV show, do you? And he just said it to me in an offhanded way. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I do write novels and business books and, and I do have an idea. And I threw it out to him and he says, well, I'll tell Larry about it. And he goes on and, you know, we're talking about this other job and uh, for a client's project, but the, the short version is this guy that I've, 
his friend, so so called his friend, just began to build this relationship with me, and he did it in such a way that he built this long term trust over about a month of in and out, you know, talking about this, that, and the other. And I wound up giving him twenty five thousand dollars on this deal, and it was a total wow. fake. I mean, the whole thing. They both scammed me. <laughs> Skeptical mm. me. They both scammed me. And so I began wow. to think, how does somebody build a relationship like this with somebody who is totally skeptical and get away with it? And I came up with, the, you know, the idea, you can persuade anybody to do anything, basically, to, you know, to change their mind and change their behavior if you know how to persuade. And I just got into this idea, life is a series of persuasion. It's a, it's a you know, if your kid is dropping out of school, if your mother-in-law won't take her medicine, if, you know, if you've got to sell, sell your company, your idea, your, band, your brand, your product, your service, it's just one presentation after another. It's persuasion, persuasion, persuasion. That's what life is about, to get a date, to, to, to get a mate, you know, whatever it is. And so that's, that's really the impetus of that, of what more can I say. It's, it's persuasion techniques for, for anything. And I just started researching that, and I just got hooked on that idea, and that's the inspiration for it. Wow. Thank you so much for being so transparent in your book and, and here on your experience, because I'm quite sure there's so many people who have had similar um, experiences, either personally uh, or in business. There are a lot of scams out there, and with social media, it's tough. It's really tough to see um, what uh, real and what's fake anymore. Uh, yeah. So, you just so don't thank want to lose twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, you just don't want to lose dollars doing it. You just, <laughs> but but you know it, we have to do that if you're looking for a job. It, it, one of the principles, for example, you don't want to add everything, every credential that you have. If you're writing a proposal in your business, most of us think more is better. You know, tell them that you've right. got a PhD. Tell them you hold two two, uh, two right. patents or whatever, True. and that's not one of the principles. You, you should not water your best your best credentials down by telling them too much, and uh, and that's that's counterintuitive. And so those the the research behind persuasion is so so profound that I just loved it. I just really got hooked into it because it applies to so many things in your life. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, In your opinion, what is the number one reason communication fails? I think it is really a lack of, a lack of trust so that we don't listen to people with an open mind. I, I think that we listen to debate rather than hear. In fact, on my my social media this week on my Facebook account, I put I put this statement: We most of us would rather debate a point than listen to someone make a point. Right. <laughs> we just right. We're, we're argumentative and we're dis, we're dismissive of people when they say something, and therefore we can't really expect to know both sides of a story about anything. And that prevents communication to begin with. 
I, I came up with this phrase a couple of weeks ago um, with the same type of experiences. Are we having a competition or a conversation? <laughs> That's what it always feels like. <laughs> right. Right. In, your, in your book, you discuss why salespeople should stop pitching, yet there's such a focus on the perfect pitch or the 30-second elevator pitch. Can you elaborate for our audience? You know, I think that it's just natural for people to throw up a wall when we feel like somebody is trying to persuade us. And actually, persuasion is a neutral thing. They can be persuading for your own good. But think about this. When you go shopping and you really need something in the store, and you walk in, and, and the sales clerk comes over and says, may I help you? The automatic response is, no, thank you. I'm just looking. Even, even if five minutes later, you call them over and say, hey, could you help me find the size here? Could you help me find you know, the color or whatever? The automatic, automatic thing is, no, thank you. I'm looking because you feel like they're going to, to, to try to persuade you to do something. And the same thing happens. Even if a friend were to say to you, um, Hey, um, Carla, can I come over a few minutes? I got something I want to tell you. And when they, if you know this person, you're sure, come on over. You think, well, are they going to tell me they got a new job? Are they going to tell me that they, you know, have something wrong, health problem, or whatever? And you're open to them. But the minute they get in and they say, uh, "Look, I, I got this new job. I told you a couple of weeks ago. Well, look, there's this, there's this insurance." company that I'm working for now and I want to show you and all of a sudden this wall goes up and you think oh no oh no they're going to start pitching me on insurance or they're going to start are you think what are they selling me Amway or what is this you know what (laughs) are knives and selling me cut through it and this wall just goes up even though they're they're your friend because you think I thought this was I'm tricked I thought this was going to be a friendly conversation and now they're trying to persuade me or sell me so I think that that's it's just they just start ducking it's just automatic they're pitching me something so I need to duck and instead you want to have something that feels like a conversation not a sales situation even though you might be selling I mean you want to whet their appetite for something but you just don't want it to feel like you're trying to talk them into something Good. So everyone's got that. No pitching. It's a conversation. You heard it here from Diana Boer. Uh, <laughs> you discuss storytelling tips with social media. So many people seem to come across awkward talking about their day or story. How will this book help them? Well, I think that the reason most people are in awkward in telling stories is because they're not telling a story. And when I coach executives, that's what they are flabbergasted about. They're telling an anecdote rather than a story. And I've had more CEOs look me in the face and say, am I the only one that doesn't know the difference? And I tell them, you know, (laughs) an anecdote is like a a slice of life. It's just an incident that happened to you. You say something like, you know, well, I was at the store the other day, and you can't believe how this customer service agent, what she said to me. And, you know, it's just something that happened to you. But a real story, it, you know, the classic definition, if you think back to when you were in school, it's, you know, it's a hero or, or heroine or whatever that 
has a goal they're trying to reach, and, and then obstacles keep happening to keep them from reaching that goal. And finally, they achieve the goal in the end. And it's, that is the definition of a story. And if it's not going somewhere, it's not really a story. And so the reason they, they don't tell a good one and they sound awkward is it always comes across as anticlimactic because it's not really a story. It's just a slice of life and people kind of go, ah, that wasn't really funny. You know, it's just kind of a, a letdown at the end. Mm-hmm. So they, they need to understand what makes a good story and then they can tell one. <laughs> That's a very, very uh, good point, um, especially in a world of just tips and, and incidents that you see on social media. Uh, in communication, what tips do you have for women leaders to succeed in a male-dominated areas that they may work in? Well, I, I think they, there are four areas I think they need to, to focus on, and that is uh, that was a subtitle, you know, of one of those books that I talked about earlier, so I can remember it, it, it and that's uh, Creating Personal Presence. When we look, talk, think, and act, all four of those have to be present. You can, you could look really professional, dress well, have great posture, and if you don't talk well, the quality of your voice, if you sound in a monotone, you never vary your inflection, you're not going to, you're not going to be uh, perceived as having presence, or you might talk really well and have a great pitch and volume, but when you show up, if you have a rigid posture, you don't dress well, you don't um, take up space, it, it has to be all four. The ability, the third one, think. If you don't think well on your feet, let's say you're giving a presentation in the boardroom, our management presentation, and you're asked a question, and you fumble all around, and you you don't get to the point quickly. That mm-hmm. can also be perceived as not getting to the point and not having presence, presence particularly in a male-dominated culture. I, I, I guarantee sales to sales people, I can change and improve their closing closing ratio if they're in sales by just changing the way they gesture. Uh, many women gesture from the elbow or the wrist, and I, I tell them if they can gesture from their shoulder, they will look much more powerful, If particularly when they're speaking in front of men. They will look more authoritative. They will be taken more seriously. I can change the angle of their head. If they are leaning their head to the side, it says, I need your approval. Sometimes it's a different angle that says, I'm flirting with you. Now, they may not intend it that way at all, but that's the way the male perceives it. So there are many things about their body language and their gesturing in a male-dominated culture that makes them look submissive as if they don't, as if they don't know what they're talking about. That happens so very often and keeps them from getting promoted. It, it affects their sales ability and their closing ability. Wow, that's that's very interesting because you always think about body language, but you don't think about the specifics of how males and females interpret each other's body language in the in the workspace. That's very interesting. Yeah. And even taking uh, up, even taking up space. I don't know if you've noticed, yeah. this, Erica, but 
men, when they walk into a meeting, you know, they take up space. They'll put the, their their jacket over the back of this chair. They'll lay the briefcase over here. They'll drop a backpack over here. They take up space. <laughs> Women are, let me put my purse under the table. Let me put this under. Is this in your way? I don't want to get that in your way. <laughs> you know, they don't take up space. In a male-dominated culture, a woman needs to take up as much space as she needs that says, I am confident. <laughs> I, I deserve to be here. That is perfect. That is perfect. Uh, what is your vision for your next book? Uh, my next book that's coming out in June is uh, called Communicate Like a Leader. Uh, strategic, it's on strategic communication. And uh, I'm going to be talking about what are those pivotal, essential communications that have to be right when you're talking to get things done, to do them right, to do them quickly, and to be remembered and get promoted. If you're going to go to that top level in an organization and not get plateaued in the middle. <laughs> and that sounds like an awesome book. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back here to talk about it. Um, what's Thank you. Next I'd, I'd love for, Definitely. What's next for Diana Boer, like any events coming up or where we can find you? Well, basically the next uh, thing that I'm going to be doing, not necessarily an event, I'm doing events all the time, but the next thing I'm doing is, is I'm not only am I writing my own books, but I'm helping entrepreneurs get their message out. After writing 47 books, I've, I've written just about everything I know. You know? <laughs> uh, but what I'm trying to do is help other entrepreneurs get their message out by coaching them on writing their own books. And I, I, I've got a plan that you can write your own book in 7 to 21 days. And most people think, ah, it's going to take me six months, it's going to take me a year to write my book. And I'm trying to tell people, no, it does not. You can do it very quickly if you know what you're doing and you have a plan. There's no correlation between quantity, um, excuse me, quality and quantity of time. So um, I, that's what I'm really enjoying doing right now is coaching other people through the process. Seven to 21 days. Do you have a specific uh, website for your coaching? Yes, I do. It's called Get Your Book Published Coaching Program. So just, just like it sounds, Get Your Book Published Coaching Program. Dot com. Okay. Get Your Book Published Coaching Program. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks so much, Diana. It has been so great having you on the show. We know that you and your new book, uh, What More Can I Say, will continue to be a great success. And we look forward to watching your business grow and having you come back on the program. Thank you. I'd love it too. Thank you. For more information on Diana Boer, you can like her on Facebook or look online at What More Can I Say, the book dot com thanks for listening to our new 2017 business of women leaders series on blog talk radio enterprise remember to check us out on twitter and facebook for more information and guests or sponsors for the show You're listening to Enterprise on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Erica Collins. Where we want to see your business rise.